Well, good morning. Um, okay, periodically I'm going to do the, um, the, the uh, for those of you who are from more mainline churches or liturgical churches, every once in a while now I'm going to also say, um, the Lord be with you. And so those of you who are, grew up in Episcopal church or Episcopal school like I did, you know how to respond. So if I say, the Lord be with you, you say, and also with you. Hey, that's really good. Y'all are, y'all are good at that. Um, I'm going to teach about where that comes from. If not sooner, at least by the time we get to um, right before Christmas, because we're going to go through the book of Ruth uh, right before Christmas, and so I'm already excited about that, and then next week we're going to start a study on Judges, and, uh, but today we have a special um, thing. So here's one of the things that we like to do here. One of our mottos is that every member is a minister, and that doesn't just mean here. It does mean here, it just doesn't just mean here. And so um, everyone, everyone who's a member here finds a place to engage and in, invest here. <laughs> but we also encourage you to find um, other places to invest in the community and in the kingdom. And so um, today was one of those ministry emphasis. And so getting back from sabbatical, um, which uh, you will hear more about over the next few weeks as well, um, especially probably on Wednesday nights and stuff like that. But um, so on getting back from sabbatical, if, if I needed to plan a whole sermon this week, then this week would not have been much, uh, as much of a sabbatical. So um, not planning a sermon this week also meant we got to have Carlton here. And um, so I'm sitting up here with Carlton um, for a couple of reasons, but, um, which I'll say in a second. But first of all, um, wow, to be able to be out for essentially six weeks, um, knowing, um, as I did know, and as I said in advance, and I knew that it would be easy on you guys, um, and it was a challenge for me at times, um, some, some being out and being disconnected and, and that kind of stuff, especially while I'm watching our culture face a couple of different crises during my sabbatical, which isn't fair. Everything is supposed to, no storms, no needs, um, no racial tensions. None of those things are supposed to happen when I'm on sabbatical because I want to engage and, and get a part of that conversation. But in the midst of some of that is when I... I, I called Carlton and we hung out a few times and I said, man, I, I really want to be on stage with you. And that may not be fair, but let me tell you let me, the, the main reason why. Um, but first, thank you to Paul, um, the whole team, the whole staff. Thank you to Paul for teaching, but for, to Wayne Broderick and um, Jordan. Man, what a, what a great thing it is. And there's, here's what's amazing. And there's a list of about 10 other people who easily we could have had step in. And, uh, and so you'll get a chance to hear from them over the months and years for sure. Um, that was, that was important. So, um, so as Carlton's going to be sharing with us, preaching this morning, and he's going to be taking the lead. I'm going to sit over here and I'm going to, you know, kind of like the old peanut gallery every once in a while, I'm going to step in and, and emphasize a point that I think is that I want to essentially, I don't mean this as a fat joke to throw my weight behind. Like I, I really want to say like, Hey, what, what Carlton is teaching about or about to teach about or just taught about, I want you to hear that as our congregation, this is vital stuff. Um, we are facing not a new national crisis. Um, it has reemerged itself. Um, man, 200 and <clears throat> 250 years ago-ish, um, as a nation founded itself on equality and on freedom, um, and then pretty much kind of immediately um, jumped into as big a bucket of hypocrisy as we possibly could a couple hundred years ago and embrace and accept what ended up being called antebellum slavery after... Um, after the, the before up building up to the Civil War, and um, so that there's a consequence for sin. And as a nation, part of what we have continued to face for the last 150 years since the Civil War is the consequence of sin. 
Um, and so as we wrestle through that, I really think what Carlton is going to be teaching about and emphasizing this morning with mentoring relationships is probably the strongest way for us to change the direction of our nation when it comes to this issue. Um, if we really are intentional and really believe in the power of discipleship and mentoring, um, especially across racial boundaries, man, um, we're not going to solve this problem with anything but the power of Jesus Christ. And the way Jesus has led us to unite us is in him. That's the only real unifying factor in the universe. So really want to encourage, um, encourage all of that. So um, that's one. Um, the gap, the, y'all remember the, um, the gospel message that we used to do where it's like there's this valley and, and there's a cross that, you know, Jesus is on one side, God's on one side, and then we're on the other side of the valley, and then Jesus Christ is the cross that connects that. Um, understand that Christ, the only person Christ connects us to, it, the, God isn't the only person that Christ connects us to. Um, that valley exists between us and every other human being, um, between our, us and our spouses, us and our children, us and our friends, us and our neighbors, brothers and sisters, and Christ is that unifying cross that connects us to anyone, no matter what their situation is, no matter what their background is, etc. So um, I want to I really emphasize this, encourage this, um, pray over our time this morning, and um, Carlton is the senior director, of he's got senior director of ministries with um, Gospel Village and Mentoring Alliance, and, um, and we partner with them regularly. Um, we, we support them financially and in other ways, and, and we want to just continue to do that. But they, their most, in my opinion, their most powerful ministry is the ability to train and prepare um, us to mentor kids who need it. Um, and so I hope as you're hearing all of this, you're listening to God's Spirit, because I am convinced God's Spirit is convicting numerous people in this room that it is time to step up and do this. So with that, I want to pray over our time and then turn it over to Carlton and then mostly stay out of this, but a couple times I'll step in. <laughs> um, Father, I, I thank you so much for my brother Carlton, and I thank you um, that he is a fellow, he is a brother in Christ, he is a fellow warrior, a fellow worker, and Lord, I pray that your spirit um, will pour out anointing on him today as you've chosen him to teach us today from your word, and um, Lord, I pray we will submit um, to his leadership and the leadership of your spirit as we hear your word um, explained today, God, um, uh, we're proud to have him and we're proud to be a part of this ministry in so many ways. So, Lord, I ask for your guidance in your son's magnificent name. Amen. Good morning. <laughs> All right. That was good. That was good. <laughs> when um, Paul did this morning, I was wondering. I was like, man. <laughs> anyway, I know I'm in the right house when I see Cowboys football on the front row. I mean, <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. Amen, brother. <laughs> Three o'clock. I'm ready. But anyway, uh, like you said, Carlton Obama, it's my pleasure to be here with you guys this morning. My wife and I um, moved here about three years ago uh, with our six kids. I did say six. We are trying to get a sitcom or something. Uh, <laughs> African-American conservatives with a lot of kids. Um, anyway, as we... Uh, <laughs> As, as we, uh, we moved here about three years ago, and as we moved here, we began to discover that there was a huge mission field, uh, not just in Africa or Asia or places like that across the seas, but, but there's one right here in Tyler. Now, as you shake your head and as you think about it, you know, a lot of you guys may be thinking, 
that yes, there's, there's poverty here um, in this community and there's sex trafficking. Um, um, there is um, kids fell in schools. There's a lot of different things going on on the north side of town. But what God has convicted me of as I've been here is that there's a mission field not only in North Tyler and places like that, but there's a mission field inside of the church. Mm-hmm. That there are people sitting in pews like you are today who are hungry and who are thirsty and looking for ways to give their lives and just don't know how to do it. There are people who are longing to take their orthodoxy and make it their orthopraxy, what they believe is not true in their life, and they're disturbed about it. And so it is to you who I speak today. My prayer is that we will begin to take the things that we know and make them what we live. So we know about loving our neighbors. I don't need to say that, because God calls us to do that. And we know to make disciples. Uh, We know that we should live missionally. And we know, we know, we know that God has called us to make a difference by being salt and light. My question is, how are we doing that? So I want to talk about that today. Uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, I'll be primarily with verses 17 through 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. And I'll start with verse 18. I think the big thing I want you to remember if you don't get anything else or if you have to leave or whatever, my big idea for you today is that God wants to simply use us to reach others. God wants to use us to reach others. Now, three things to consider as we think about this. Uh, And the, the first thing is that we just need to remember what God has done for us. Remember what God has done for us. And watch verse 18. It says, all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Now, how many of you guys are married? Okay, put your hands down. Okay, thank you. How many of you guys have kids? All right. Well, you already know what reconciliation means and why we need reconciliation. I have six kids and a wife, and I'm telling you, sometimes things can get hectic. Amen? Mm -hmm. That's right. And uh, sometimes I need to step in and reconcile a situation that's been broken or need to be fixed because there's an issue. Uh, somebody used somebody's toothbrush or somebody hit somebody or somebody put toilet paper down the, the toilet. I mean, it's just crazy sometimes with a wife and six kids, the things that happen. And sometimes just as the leader of the house or, or just a guy in the house, I have to come in and fix a situation. There is an issue. Well, there was a need for us to do that. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, that our relationship with God before Christ stepped in was a dismal picture, a horrific picture that, that needed to be fixed. Why do I say that? Because he says in Romans chapter 5 that we are helpless sinners and enemies of God. Helpless sinners and enemies of God. When I talk about helpless, it reminds me of what my youth pastor days when we used to take kids to Six Flags. And just imagine you go to Six Flags, kids love to get on Texas Giants. Just imagine a group of kids getting on a Texas John, they're riding, they're going up and down, up and down, and one time the roller coaster just decides to go off the tracks, 20 feet in the air. See, that's being helpless because there's nothing you can do about it. And we are helpless. We're helpless 
by the next statement, sinners. The Bible tells us from birth, we have sin. We have a natural inclination, a natural propensity towards that which is opposite of what God wants us to do. And it means of God. God is holy. And he cannot be around sin. And so because of that, our relationship with God is strained and it needs mending. The Bible tells us that God chose to heal our relationship with him through the death of his son. Amen? Mm -hmm. Just in the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his love for us that while yet we were sinners, Christ died for us. So first of all, he reconciled us. Reconciliation is the removal of the hostility. It's the restoration of the harmony in a relationship. It, is, it means when we, uh, that the wall that separates two hostile parties has been fixed when it was broken down and breached. The second thing that Christ did for us is that he made us new. The Bible tells us in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ... Now, if I'd have said that in the old Baptist church, oh boy, I mean, they'd be like, amen. But that's okay. <laughs> Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old is past, and behold, new things have come. Now, this idea of being in Christ is a Pauline terminology, right? And it means all kind of stuff. But three things you need to know about being in Christ. First of all, it means that our past is forgiven. Being in Christ means our past is forgiven. It also means that our future is secure. And then it means that we have all that we need to live a life that honors God right now. It also means that we are new. In Christ, we have a new position that should give us a new perspective that should lead us down a new path. I'm going to let Chris explain this in a second, but it reminds me of when I was in Dallas, I used to work for a ministry called Mercy Street, and we used to get sometimes tickets to the Mavericks game. Now, sometimes they give you tickets to the Mavericks game, and you have to sit in the 400 section. That's the nosebleed section. Mm -hmm. And so you're up far, far, far <clears throat> in the stands, and you can't really see the game, but you're happy you went, and you have to kind of walk up the stairs and kind of be behind the wall a little bit so you don't fall down. And when you sit down, you try to hold it so you don't go to the restroom because you don't want to experience that again. And you can barely see the, <laughs> barely see the screen. So your experience is really distorted. But it's okay because you like to go to the game. But we also had this ministry partner called the Reese Jones Foundation. And sometimes they would give us their box seats. Different experience. <laughs> So when you, when you, when you go to the, the, the box seats or, or the, um, the section that they had, oh, it's just a different experience. Number one, you go in and you sit down in some leather chairs. And, and you can choose to either watch the game that's before you or you can watch the game on the screen because they have a television in there. And they have food waiting on you. They also bring around cake and ice cream and pie and <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> But the, your experience is different because of where you're positioned. 
See, in Christ, oh my goodness, in Christ, we have a brand new position that should allow us to see life from a different perspective and should enable us to choose a different path. <laughs> I've said those seats. Are you looking down on the video screen? Like yeah. you're looking at the top of the video screen? Looking, yeah. Um, so here's, okay, guys, one of the things we, an emphasis we have regularly is this idea that our theology, what we believe about God, what we believe God believes about us, our theology has to dictate our identity. That, is, that, is, that, that finds who we are. Exactly what Carlton is talking about from this passage is that this newness creates new things in us. Once we understand how who Christ is, who God is, and how God sees us and what that means about us, that changes our identity. That identity change, that understanding of a new identity, being a new creature, a new creation, is what allows us new activity. And so, again, very often um, in churches, we kind of um, default to this behavioral modification mindset. Maybe you grew up in a behavioral modification church that was be nicer, do better, um, be gooder, whatever. And you've got you've to do this. And somehow if you do this right, eventually God's going to be pleased with you. Rather than understanding the truth of we have a new identity. That's what allows us to live out this life. Not the other way around. And so that's a, you know, we don't, I don't, I don't want you stepping into ministry in order to figure out who you are. Mm. You need to be stepping into ministry because you have figured out, you know in Christ who you are. That's, that's vital. This is, it, it, it is a change in everything. And so, as Carlton's saying, new position, new perspective, new path, everything. Every aspect of our identity becomes new when we understand that we are a new, a new creation. So I want to I hammer that point home. We come back to it over and over again, but understand that's, that's vital to this passage. Keep going, sir. Good stuff. The second thing is, not only do we need to remember what God has done for us, we need to recognize what could happen in others. And so in that, uh, verse 16 of this passage, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, says, Therefore, from now on, we no longer recognize one according to the flesh. Mm. So my, my question to you is, what are you seeing these days? How are you seeing? things these days and always seeing people the way God sees them see God sees people from two perspectives the first way is he all people are made in the image of God right all people are made in the image of God which means they have infinite value and worth that's right they matter to God they ought to matter to us the second thing is is that uh, we need to see them from not just a earthly perspective, but from an eternal one. He says we no longer regard people according to the flesh. The way we see people can have an eternal implication to it. The second thing is, it's about proximity. And proximity is about the distance from which you see someone. Now this is interesting because in Matthew 6, you see Jesus, it says, seeing the people, he felt a compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Mm. Some of us are not aware of what's going on because we don't ever see what's going on. 
But the way we see things is important, and we need to recognize the possibility of what can happen to others. So in other words, the same thing that God has did in your life, he wants to do in the life of another. The same thing, the reality is true in you, that you are saved and sanctified and set free, that you have a new identity in Christ, you're going in a new direction, all that is true. But recognize he wants to do that in the life of another. The question is, what are you seeing, and how are you seeing it, and are you seeing it from the way God is seeing it? Because God, what God has done for you, he wants to do in the life of others. Go ahead. Taking notes on that one second. That was good. <laughs> um, here's a, this, is, this is a humbling thing. One of the things as we met and talked about this is this idea of reminding people, really encouraging people. I think one of the reasons God has blessed South Spring is because we have been willing and eager and intentional to engage in the life of the fatherless um, and the motherless, the, the children who don't have parents who are there to invest in them and love them. And so through fostering and adopting, and especially in those worlds, it's, it's one of the keys. And it's, I really do, I mean, I honestly believe that behind the scenes, behind all the work that we do, I think there is a blessing that we receive because of this, and um, that we may not even really be able to see. Um, but our, our willingness to do that, the way that families come alongside other families to help them when they do foster and when they do adopt, the way the church does that. Um, you, you, if you don't know that, you need to be in a healthy way proud of the fact that this is a church that if, if you adopt, um, this church has budgeted thousands of dollars to come alongside you in your adoption process. Um, we want people to do that, and we don't want money to be what keeps them from doing it. Um, this, is, this is part of why this is so huge, is because of the humbling understanding that we are all orphans. We were all orphans. Um, that's how we were born. We were born disconnected. Um, in, in fact, rebel orphans, um, in no interest of being adopted, and hateful, and, and the fantasy in us Listen to what Romans 8, 15 and 16 says. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's a, that is the part of that identity change, that we are children of God. We were orphans. The world doesn't care. Um, Satan doesn't love. We were on our own. And God came in and paid the price and adopted us. Um, I want you to notice that today we were led by John and his team to recognize, to remember who he is and how powerful he is. Do you, I don't, do you experience, um, like I do, every time we sing the song, that song, he is, You Are Stronger? I'm so comforted by the reminder, that song, the, the, the reminder that, that he is stronger. I like that it's stronger. A strong guest wouldn't be as powerful to me. Just the fact that he's stronger. Stronger than what? Name it. He's stronger. Whatever it is, stronger. What about this? Yeah, stronger. How about this? Mm-hmm, stronger. And that's the God who has chosen me and purchased me and adopted me. I need someone who's, I need my daddy to be able to beat up your daddy. Um, I need him to be stronger. Whatever it is that you bring, I need, I need you to know that when you run into him, he's stronger. Whatever it is that gets brought my way. And that's now, the obvious question is going to become, are we willing to represent that to others? But I'll take it away, sir. 
So we need to remember what God has done and recognize that he want to do it in the life of others. But then finally, we need to realize um, that he wants to use us in the process to make that happen. And there's two things he says in the scriptures that really kind of emphasize that. The first thing he says in verse 18, he says, now again, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, some of us, when we hear the idea of ministry, we get confused and we think that three things. Number one, I don't know enough to, to be in ministry. Number two, well, maybe my life is not good enough to be in ministry. Or three, I'm not old enough to be in ministry. And so let me, let me help you rethink this. If you, are a, if you are a person who's been saved by the grace of God, and have trusted in him through faith in Christ, you are a minister who's in ministry. Amen. Every member is a men, men in ministry. You are that. Mm -hmm. Now, let me also help you think. If you say that my, I don't know enough, uh, you do know something. You know that God saved you. The Bible tells us in John chapter 4, Verse 39 says, it was talking about the woman at the well, and it says, and many people in the town believed in him simply because of her testimony. God has a way of taking your story and using it for his glory. God can take the rough things that you've been through and all the mistakes you've made and use it to minister to others. So use it. The other thing is, um, what are you doing about it? You know, I've heard people for years say, I don't know enough. But there's all kind of classes in this church and around town for you to grow in your faith. I was just, last week, I was at Perspectives at First Baptist, I mean, at, um, at uh, Green Acres. This church has small groups, and this church has Sunday morning teachings. Uh, and, and, and I dare you go to one of the ministers and say, hey, can somebody disciple me or grow me, teach me, recommend a book to me? Because you'll get a plethora of that. <laughs> The idea of I don't know enough is not good enough because God has called all of us into ministry. Um, here's the deal. You plus Jesus is more than enough to do all that he's called you to do. You're a factor, but he's the X factor. It reminds me of the story of uh, the little boy who fed 5,000, I mean, the, 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 when Jesus fed the 5,000, there was a little boy who just had a lunch, and he brought his lunch up, and he offered it up. Jesus took it and made it enough to feed all the people that were out in the audience. So you just bring what you got to Jesus, and he'll use it for his glory. Amen? That's right. Amen. The other thing is, um, he says, is that we are his ambassadors. So, not only have we been called to the ministry of reconciliation, but he says we are his ambassadors. The idea in verse 20, the idea is that an ambassador is one who makes appeals on behalf of the one who has, who has sent us out. Uh, we're making appeals on behalf of the one who sent us. And so we make appeals on behalf of Christ. We are his ambassadors. We're representing him. Let me just tell you, sometimes the only Bible people will read 
is the one they see in your life. Sometimes the only way people can know Christ is through how we live. So, I mean, you know this, but we don't think about this because we get, we get words and we turn them into Bible words and then we stop thinking about them. An ambassador, if you think about, so an ambassador is someone who works for the consulate of a different country. And so they, there is a, you know, the embassies in Washington and around Washington, you get a feel for what their nation is like by interacting with the people who are their ambassadors. They are representatives of a king or of a nation or of a government. That's, that's one of the pictures the Apostle Paul uses very intentionally with us, um, is the idea of us being ambassadors. Because we actually are citizens of a kingdom, and the kingdom is distant, quote, enough away that, that people need to see the ambassadors. We represent them. We represent that. People will think of our kingdom as they think of us. And so if we are ashamed to talk about that kingdom, then they will think it is a shameful kingdom. If we're arrogant or we're jerks or we're mean to each other, that's what they think about our kingdom. Wouldn't it make sense that Jesus would say, they'll know you by your love for one another, right? Mm -hmm. They'll know you're my disciples. Because in his kingdom, love for one another is one of the defining traits. And yet, so when we're not loving to one another, when we don't work in one accord, to quote Philippians 2, 2 which hopefully everybody is still working to memorize, um, like when we, don't, when we don't live those out, that's what people assume about the kingdom that we represent. So do we want, how do we want people to see Christ and his kingdom? They're going to see him and his kingdom based on us. And there are a lot of people, especially young people in our community, who don't have any concept. Mm. And so they're, they're kind of a blank slate about what is Jesus like, and all they need is someone to step in and show them this is what Jesus is like. Many, most Christians, especially in America, will never lead another person to salvation in Jesus Christ. Most people in this room will go their entire lives and will somehow, as a representative and ambassador of Jesus Christ, never do that. Most Christians will never baptize anybody. That should be an ambition of every Christian. If you want to help lead someone, if you want to be a part of that process of leading someone to Christ, mentoring a kid who has no concept almost at all is a powerful way to get invested in that. They will know you care, and then they're going to care what you know and to get invested in that way. I think it's an appropriate ambition for Christians to want to be a part of shepherding someone to the cross. So that's an ambassador. Sorry. No, that's great. Thank you. Uh, and so the, the question is, what does this mean for me? I, I think three things. Number one, we need to constantly remind us ourselves of what God has done for us. And so we should memorize scriptures like John 3.16, Ephesians 2, verses 8, 9 through 10. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. Constantly remind ourselves of what God has done for us. The second thing is we need to live a life that draws people to us and ultimately to him. Muhammad Gandhi uh, led a whole movement. And in looking at different religions, he looked at Christianity. He said, look, I don't have a problem with Christ, but I do have a problem with Christians and the way they live their lives. Other people are saying it as well. I don't have a problem with, with, with Christianity. I just have a people with those who claim to be Christians. 
So therefore, we need to live lives where people can say, follow me as I follow Christ. And then lastly, we need to put ourselves in positions where, uh, with people who are not like us. When was the last time we've been in a non-Christian environment? When was the last time we've, we've been around those who don't know God? And there's terrible ways to do that. You can, you can mentor a kid through gospel builders, like he said. And, and the idea of that is not just um, for the kid's perspective. I truly believe that God, we believe in this thing called mutually transforming relationships, mm-hmm. where God uses these relationships to transform both people into who he wants them to be as they begin to have a real relationship with one another. So if you want to grow in your faith, you get a relationship with somebody that's not like you, that doesn't come from your background, and walk with them in true quantity, true fellowship. There's the idea also of adopting, adopt somebody, fostering, take care of someone. And so once we do that, I, I think we begin to put ourselves in a position to begin to do what God wants us to do. So just in my conclusion, I just say the same thing that God has done for us He would love to do for somebody else, but we got to remember that he wants to use us in that process. Excellent. Thank you, Carlton. Okay, so here's our, we've got to get a prayer request going right there. So this is, this is, we do, we've explained this before, but uh, some churches do invitations, some churches don't do invitations, but we do an invitation. The invitation is based on the assumption that, that hearing God's word has somehow impacted you. That God's spirit is working in you. And so today there's a different way, it's a different type of, of invitation that's added on to this. So in addition to, if hearing about a God who wants to adopt you, who has paid the price, um, who has saved you, uh, who wants to save you, if you need to respond to that in some way by coming and praying or talk to someone around you who you know, please do so. Um, if, if this, is, this is the time when you, if you've already decided, hey, I know this is the church I want to be a part of and I've talked to some people and I'm ready to go, great. You come join this morning. Um, we want to continue to, to be involved in that. And we want to call, this is a call, a call to action, a call to repent. I mean, you may realize um, that just hearing about some of this, that you've had some attitudes that have been wrong. Mm. Um, we always encourage repentance. We all need to do that on a regular basis. A call to invest. This morning, um, Carlton and has a table out there. All you have to do is go out there. You've got something in your bulletin. I think. Open up your bulletin. Everybody got a little flyer in your bulletin? <clears throat> you just want to you just want to get more information, that right there will tell you how to do it. I mean, if you want someone to contact you, you can set that up. I would love to see dozens of mentors come out of our church. Wednesday the 26th. What's that? Wednesday the 26th. Oh, yeah. And then this Wednesday. This Wednesday? Next Wednesday. Should be this. Uh, is we'll this Wednesday? The next one? Okay. I may be off by one. We'll figure it out in a second. Um, which Wednesday it is that they're going to be back, and, and all you have to do is come on Wednesday night, and, and you can actually start the process of being trained for this. Um, we're going to be involved in that discussion. So that's important. Um, we do want to pray also um, the Newsom family is, um, they are they're a volunteer family. They work in our church. They've been greatly involved, and they're about to have, they're moving, and so we want to pray for them in a second. But um, And listen, we know not everyone can do everything right now. If this is one of those deals where you need to get together with a couple other families and say, okay, which one of us is going to mentor and which, which, how are we going to support that person and whatever, that's, that's great. Go for it. Not everyone can do it right now, but commit that in your heart that this is something you want to be able to do in some way. You want to be able to engage with fatherless in some way. 
We were all orphans, so we can appreciate, we can communicate that appreciation. So I want to pray and close out our time, and, uh, and then John will come up and lead us. You can sing, but the most important thing you need to be doing is listening to the leadership of the Spirit and how you need to respond. So um, stand, if you will, and then um, respond however the Spirit leads. Father, your word is powerful. Your word um, reaches out. Um, and does not return void. And God, I thank you so much for Carlton's willingness to be here, his faithfulness um, to prepare and to lead. God, I pray that you, would, um, that you would help our hearts be open to the power of your word. God, you have given us the, the, the ministry of reconciliation. God, every place where there is a distance between brothers and sisters in Christ, it is our job, apparently by you, through the power of your spirit, to reach out and heal that. Hmm. Um, Lord, your spirit is so powerful to heal things. Your, your son proclaims that he can make all things new. And so, Lord, I pray that that would happen. God, what a great, awesome testimony to a twisted and crooked generation that Christians will step up and be a part of reconciling things that are broken. God, help us to be not breakers of things, but reconcilers of things. God, we are, we are grateful that you called us to this, and we are terrible at it, so we rely on your spirit. God, call us... Um, to our face on repentance and to um, our knees to pray, God, and help us to stand up when we need to stand up and declare the truth of your ministry of reconciliation. We thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for being stronger. Pray this in your son's name. Amen.